0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is Wrestling's Last Journeyman. The pride of Tater Peeler, Tennessee, and, if I do say so myself, one hell of a hand, Jeremiah Plunkett. And I'm telling you to listen up and give me back my pro wrestling.
1: Promotional consideration paid for by the following. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South. And I released what might have been one of the original sets of indie Trading Cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's
2: attic all this time. PG-13, Rookie Card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, The Scorpion, The Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma,
1: Little farmer john if you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now you can get them for only 49.99 contact me is steve bowtie bryant at icloud.com get your set now while supplies last ladies and gentlemen
2: welcome to give me back my pro wrestling
3: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling podcast. And today, everyone, we have something that I am so excited to talk about. So a couple episodes ago, we had Kroll the Deathstalker on the show and actually had an excellent episode. He's in our top five all time, having great numbers, just really ecstatic about the results on that show. And so we, first of all, want to thank you all so much for listening to that. But second of all, I want to thank you, Kroll, for being being on again, because at the very end of that show, you dropped a little something on me that I haven't been able to get out of my brain. You said, oh, we didn't even get into the plunky Kojima story. And I'm like, oh, dude. Oh. And so I've been talking to my brother and I've been talking to these guys and this guy, and I could not wait to get this together. So today on Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling on a very special bonus episode, we have Jeremiah Plunkett. We have crawl and we are telling the nwa kojima story what's up guys how y'all doing doing good
0: yeah doing good i just want to say i'm just here to get my numbers up because everyone else is doing so much better <laughs>
3: hey. <laughs> hey hey wait we just we're gonna get you on a part two so that's <laughs> It's a, it's a whole new world here at Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. But yes, we'll get your numbers up for sure. But anyway, thank you guys so much. I know y'all are busy people. You know, Plunky, you've got the NWA you're currently working for that you're running the roads everywhere, working for different promotions. Crawl, I know you've got the very cool and upcoming USWO events. Y'all are running them every month. But today we're going to talk about the Jeremiah Plunkett versus Satoshi Kojima for the NWA title story at Collision. Corp. 2014 so first of all what was the current state of nwa saw at this time right now crow it was probably the best time
2: of my booking i mean because actually we were we were probably the well it wasn't no probably to it we were we were the number one freaking nwa because we were producing weekly local tv we were running every friday night we were doing events probably at least 60 or more shows per year yeah so yeah. We, we, had, we had the irons in the fire and we had, you know, pretty damn good roster with Plunky, you know, we built him up, you know, the kill shot with the punch, you know, everybody was putting him over. We were, you know, it was, I mean, I don't know, you know, it's my opinion, but I mean, hell, I put everything I had into that, you know? So Absolutely. I, you know, I'm, I'm proud of a lot of that, you know?
3: Yeah. Now Plunky at this time, how long had you been in the business and kind of what were your feelings of everything at this point in your career?
0: Uh, let's see. So that's 2014. So I'd have been in around nine years. Yeah, uh, and, and like Crowell said, everything was really exciting. Kroll uh, had us in in storylines. If I remember right, and Kroll, you may have to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the whole didn't the whole singles push just come. I know the babyface turn came from me doing a two on one match against the uh, Lords of Chaos and a darn near bleeding out, <laughs> and then like. Drew, that was one of the times when, bless him, love him to death, but Drew Haskins, you know, decided to quit. Like he just kind of left wrestling.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Still sad about that. So, okay, then while we're talking about it, so this is actually based in the Bruce Tharp NWA. Now we know NWA with Plunky, you know, it's a whole new world for NWA now, but at this time, Bruce Tharp had been running the NWA and, you know, some of the names we're going to mention in this story, Mike Searcy, TJ Weatherby, of course, we'll talk Kroll, Satoshi Kojima, but let me tell the card right now. So this was the Collision Course 2014 card. Of course, you had the headlining of Satoshi Kojima jima versus jeremiah plunkett for the nwa heavyweight title but some of the cart featured these names like jacks dane lance erickson hammerjack and gator Brian Lee and Lee Condry Carrie Awful and Nick Iggy Kevin Weatherby Lightning Bolt Kid LBK Eric Andrews Cahagas and Damian Wayne so obviously there's a big story and I want the beginning to the end but what was the idea for the match that, that basically I know you'd been pushing Plunky and I, I loved it I was not part of the, the roster at this point but I loved the idea tell me a little bit about where you got the idea Kroll for pushing Plunky in this spot um
2: what nothing that like uh, was planned. I mean, usually your best stuff just kind kind of grows yeah. organically, and this is kind of what I feel we were doing as a group. I mean, you know, like Plunky said, Drew was out, and the angle where he bled out two on one. I mean, you know, it was just kind of sometimes it's just there, and it you know manifests itself. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. But uh, that's pretty much my thoughts on it.
3: Okay, cool. I feel like we kind of set the stage somewhat here, but now, Kroll, I would love to hear the full story of the Kojima NWA title debacle.
2: <laughs> well, I don't want it to turn into a big, long, uh, you know, tirade or whatever. And anything <laughs> I say about anybody is just how I feel. It's not trying to bury anybody or yeah, make somebody look bad or, you know, because we all... Say things and do things that we're probably not proud of at times, but you know it's just my opinion. But this is what I had to deal with to get Plunky to that match, and it it was, you know, I was ready to, you know, whip some ass for real, yeah, yeah, with all the aggravation I had to put up with this. Yeah. So I'm heading to Millersville on a Friday, probably two months before that, the, the Kajima show, Chris Weinquillo, who was the supposedly acting vice president of the nwa calls me and say hey we're bringing kojima over for cac to do a three or four day tour and then drop the belt back to rob conway and uh wanted to know if we would be interested in booking him they gave us a real good price on him and uh then one of his last questions was he asked me he says who would you have to put him against i said well traditionally in the NWA." it it would be my top baby face champion to get the rug off of the NWA champion. And plus for Plunky, it was a, it was more probably appreciative of him wanting to work somebody from new (laughs) Japan, let alone a new Japan legend. Right. Right. You know, so it was like a double bonus. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, I told him, I said, well, let me call Mike. So I got off the phone with him. I called Mike, told him what the deal was, what the price was, because there's no way that TJ or me on our own could afford to pay somebody like Kajima to come over. So sure. He, uh, I called Mike. I said, Mike, I said, I can make this work. I said, but if, if it falls on his ass financially, can you help me with it? And he was, he was like, well, hell yeah. So I called Ron Quillo back. I said, I said yeah, that's good. So they brought him in Friday, Thursday. And uh, you know, Friday he worked Plunky. Saturday he was in Houston, which is Chris Ronquillo's town. And okay. then he worked uh the Houston Carson kid. And then Sunday they were in CAC and he dropped the belt back to Conway. So also they brought Conway in to shoot a little vignette where he comes out into the, the show and challenges him and I put a little video together for that. And I, I went home after that long day, after all that show. Come home and put that together for them, uploaded it on my YouTube channel, and then they stole it and put it on the their official NWA page and took oh. credit for it. Oh man, so of course. That's kind of that's kind of where we were. But to make people understand how I feel about Chris Ronquillo, he was pretty much. Like the Paul Adams and Reno Riggins relationship, like Saul used to be. Okay. Paul yeah. did all the heavy, Paul did all the work and the heavy lifting as far as booking and uh, setting up shows. And so basically any of the office work that had to get done, Paul Adams did. And then Reno right. kind of shows up and plays boss. Sure. If sure. y'all understand what I'm saying. Absolutely. And uh, that's kind of how my perception of Bruce and Chris Ronquillo's re- relationship was. Okay. And I, I've not, I always dealt with Bruce on anything up until this point. And uh, so this would have been 2014. So we we became NWA right after the lawsuit was settled. So it would have been December of 2012. So what, about 18 months, 19 months into it. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, anyway, when he had called me that original day, about two months prior, and I called Cersei and, you know, he, he agreed he would help me with it if we need it be. And uh, I told him, yeah, but he got back to his question. He says, well, who would it be? I said, well, it would be my top babyface champion that we have. He says, well, who's your champions? I said, well, my southern champion is Jason Kincaid. Oh, I like that idea. You know, so I looked up when I said that because he just, you know, because that guy was one of Smoky Mountain's top guys. And, you know, oh, that'd be great. I'm like, but it's going to be Jeremiah Plunkett. Because that's my, my TV champion, and my you know Plunkett's here every week. Kincaid's only here when we when we can get him. Right. And that, so it's basically like he heard he heard that, and yeah. you know, for my my of going back and putting it, you know, playing it through your mind, that's how I feel like he got kind of like thinking it was going to be Kincaid. Okay. But it never was going to be Kincaid. It was always going to be Plunkett because yeah. Plunkett was our homegrown babyface that we that's there and going to be there after Kojima's gone.
3: But the fact that so, you said Jason Kincaid because yeah. you know he, you said well that's my top babyface, but obviously you don't have a lockdown on but, uh, him.
2: Plunkett's your guy. So anyway, I think that in his mind he heard me say Jason Kincaid. I don't know. I mean, but I I was pretty blunt and clear. That, hey, just going to be Plunkett. So yeah. anyway, uh, probably a few days later. You know, we start putting our stuff together and everything. Uh, Cersei calls me, and they're like, well, they have some reservations about it being Plunky. They're, you know, Ronquillo wants it to be Kincaid. I said, well, I said, if it's going to be anybody other than Plunky, I said, let them pay it, and then we'll film it and all that, and, you know, and be be a happy brand and get on down the road. I said, There's nothing wrong with Plunky or Kincaid. Either one of them would be perfect to work Kojima. I said, but if it's going to be in the sawmill, it's going to be our homegrown guy. And at the time, that was Jeremiah Plunkett, the guy that paid the way. That's there every week. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they let it simmer for about a week after that. And uh, when it uh, probably about five, six weeks out, I get a call from Bruce and Cersei. And uh, Bruce is like, Kim, you know, we got this relationship. You know how everybody tries to, as Tony and LT T would say, sabi da young, trying to get you to do something. Yep. And uh, I'm like, well, Bruce, that goes against everything that we're trying to, to do traditionally with the NBA. So basically, my comeback to them was like, there's no way New Japan is going to give a shit if it's Jeremiah Plunkett or if it's whoever. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I right. said... I said we're paying that part of the freight that's already been agreed on, and you know we're one of you, we're your standout member. I don't yeah. care who says or disagrees with that at that time for those two or three years we were the standout number one. They needed us in my opinion more than we needed them. Sure. And so, and I was already sour on Ronquillo because I what I offered Bruce and them from day one is like hey. Y'all come in here. We're a central hub. You can get all your key guys here once a month or every other week. Y'all can have the building for free. I'll do the production for free. Let's make a NWA show that we should be. And Ron Quillo will always shout, well, the building's too small. And I'm like, yeah, but it looks great. It's a right. shithole that looks great. And it's, it's made for TV because I spent over two grand on lights, getting stuff done, stuff wired to have that place looking the best it ever looked those last three years that we were there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, even Bruce tells me now that he regrets that they never, you know, like I told him, I said, if it ain't what you want, it's a, it's better than nothing, and it's a great start, and there's no other indie at that time that had a, a turnkey set up, and it, what, production wouldn't have cost them nothing. Talent would only cost them whatever to get them in here. So, I mean, they could have afforded that, you right. know. Right, right, but uh, but he always shot that down, and I think yeah. the reason he shot it down is because it wasn't his idea, and it wasn't his, you know. But anyway, yeah. so anyway, I'm on the, I'm on the, I'm on this call about eight days after we make the deal for Tajima. It's uh, you know, Bruce trying to sobby to that yeah, you know, new ja- new Japan has, you know, he says I've seen Plunkett, Plunkett's, you know, as solid as they come, but you know, and uh, I'm like. Well, So I get mad because I'm the type of person that, you know, is cut and dry how I feel, what I want, you know, what I want out of something. And, you know, my thing was we were a member. We had more to offer than any other member. We played, you know, we were team players, you know, and if anybody in the whole world deserved that title shot and that rub, regardless of where it was, it's somebody like Plunky, a homegrown talent. You know that grassroots. You know, the son of a gun was over like a son of a bitch. Then, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so it was just the time, everything, to feel. You know, it was like a, it was almost like a rocky story kind of feel. You know, in my opinion. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I get sideways with Bruce, and I, and I just go off. I cussed him so I didn't cuss him, but I was cussing so bad that Bruce. You know, I think it kind of offended him, you know, I was like, look, dude, I said, this is how it is. I told him, I told him from the get-go, I said, look, either y'all can pay to bring in Kojima. If y'all want to do it here, we'll tape it and produce it and give it to you how you want it, but y'all bring in who you want and y'all pay for the match. Yeah. I said, because other than giving you a place to do it, I said, there's no benefit for us. Yeah. So Bruce, you know, and I feel kind of bad how that conversation came off because I just – I, you know for me when you're trying to do what I'm doing trying to have that creative outlet and put all that into running a show and then trying to turn that into a weekly TV show when right. when I'm dealing with when I'm dealing with knucklehead shit like this it takes away the creative process and it kills me drains me makes me just want to headbutt the wall and go home yeah a lot yeah. of times and i yeah. have yeah so anyway that called it in well, and Bruce was like, "Well, uh, I gotta go, you know." So we got off the phone, and I just told him Mike, I said, "Mike, I said it's, it's, I said it's a plunket or it's nothing," and I said, "I don't give a if they kick me out, don't want us back." I said, "But Mike, I said for too long, you know, you've done it, you know, Mike. God bless him, man, and you can call him Mark or whatever. He was tried and true with Porter." With this NWA, I mean, anytime they needed a ring somewhere in Atlanta, he would haul a ring. Anytime they needed to buy a belt or pay for some talent to come in, I mean, you know, Porter never would book the World Champions and stuff to bring them in, but Cersei. So anyway, I told Mike. I said, Mike, I said, I said, you know, you're the one that brought me in with these guys. I said, so you know them better than I do. I said, but uh, you know, if if I. You know, put you in a bad light with him. I apologize I said, but that's just how I feel, you know. And Mike was like, "I'm 100% with you." He said, "It better be Plunky," you know. Yeah. Right. And so, and but on the back end, Ron Quillo. That's why I was telling you I was want to tell the Cersei part of the story, which I will after we get through this show, because sure. after the show, we were all going to CAC in Vegas for Cauliflower Alley, and it was my first time flying or going anywhere. So that, that that next morning, Miss Cersei was on a plane going to, to Vegas. So you know, there's was a lot going on for us. But uh, so anyway, about three hours later, I get the, the next call, and it's from uh, James Beard. Now, James Beard was was basically the one that was actually trying to put stuff together for Ron Quillo and and uh, Riviera and them shows. Okay. So okay. He, he called me. So he called me like Tim. I understand, we have a stalemate here with who these. He goes, I don't think you really understand the importance of this. This is for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and and I said, I said, James, I said, I've been around. I said, I've never mind I've been nowhere. I said, but I'm smart and I understand when I'm getting a a a, a bunch of bullshit. I said, look, Ron Quillo wants whoever else to look good in front of these New Japan people in his mind. I said, I said nobody over in Japan probably even knows who Plunky I am. You are any of us, and give a shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? I said so long as the guy can work and do what he needs to do and not hurt their guy, what would the issue be? He says, Well, I've looked at your guy. He he's a solid hand and blah blah. I said, Look, dude, I know when I'm getting sobbed out or trying to get. <laughs> I okay, so I'm going to tell you, and then I started asking, I said, excuse me, I, I'm just an emotional person. I said, look, there's only three ways this thing's going to go, good or bad. I said, one, we can cancel the mother and y'all can take him somewhere else. I said, two, we can leave it like it is, or three, y'all can pay his freight and bring him in. We'll tape it and do whatever you need, and y'all can put him against you if you want. I don't give a <laughs> shit. And so, He's like, well, Tim, I understand where you're coming from. He says he says, personally, I don't see a problem with Plunkett as a talent. He said he seems like a good hand and and blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, but I, and the thing about Chris quill, I should have said at the beginning, that he's not smart to the business. He was some kind of business guy and like wine and spirits in Houston where he's from. And nothing against him. He just did not understand how wrestlers and terminology and everything works. Because, you know, it's like, it was like dudes, I told you, Jeremiah Plunkett, day one, and here we are. And they didn't even want Kincaid at this time. This time, they're talking about Damian Wayne.
3: Yeah. You know? So and that's what I was going like, to ask. Yeah. When did Damian you know? Wayne enter
2: the picture? So, it's right now that Damian yeah. came into the picture. Okay. So, okay. you know, and they took Damian over because when they uh, first took it over, you know, and then they shit the bed with... Uh, Damn. Tabana, they just, yeah, they shit the bed with that. That could have, you know, they could have got a good rub off of that. And those guys would have done business, I think. But anyway, so they, they had a vacant world champion. So they were doing like some shitty six-way match in New Jersey somewhere. And Damien was supposed to go over. And, beca- and from what I understand, because the the smart marks on the alliance board at the time knew it was going to be Damien Wayne, Ron Quillo, made them change it. From what I understand, what I was told to Cahagas, which Cahagas, I think, is a great gimmick, great character. To sure. me, his striking and punches are just as good as Tim nestos I mean, you know, just smooth. But not a bad choice for a champion, but just a, a hell of a way to shit on somebody. Sure. So I think in their mind, that was them trying to, you know, and at the time, they were feeding uh, Damian and them with a bunch of shit that they were going to New Japan too, which, you know, if they were or not, I don't know. Like I said, that was just, you know, the buzz that they were, but you know, me, I'm I'm straight, you know, look, it's going to be plunk it or, you know, y'all pay for it and do what you want. That's basically what I told him. So I get off the phone with James Beard. So then, uh, a few days later, Mike's like, I'm like, well, what do they want to do? He goes, well, I don't know. I think you really, you know, offended Bruce by cussing so much. I'm like, well, Mike, you tell me all the time that you've cussed Ron Quillo over stupid shit. He says, I have. And. So I'm like, you know, and even Mark Anthony, he agreed. He said, it's plunky. It's plunky or nobody. So we get to nut cutting time. We bring Tracy down and do a month's worth of vignettes with him training and coaching. Let me
3: stop you right there. We're stellar. That was some of the best, I mean, honestly, television that I think y'all have ever done. And as a sometime person on the roster, we ever did whatever, I think that build up with Tracy on par with some of the best
2: ever, honestly. Well, Great I stuff. don't think it was our best because we we were the smartest people in the room. I think it was the best because it was organic, like I said at the beginning. Yeah. All yeah. Just play, you know, you know, it's kinda like when you got Lawler and Dundee in a feud sure. and, and the people know that there's heat. You know, sometimes that's the best, you know, you know, so anyway, uh, we get and shoot all this stuff with Tracy and stuff. So then after they sit on it for about three weeks, they finally, you know, come to an agreement with Cersei about bringing in Damian Wayne. So that was just kind of thrown there. I was like, I was like, well, dude, ain't nobody gonna give a shit because the build is punky. Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13.
3: Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D, every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us. Every Monday, Live and in Color with Wolfie D.
2: So we get to Thursday before the show, all of them fly in, so Menmark trying to be good hosts. We take all of them to – we were tr- wanting to take them somewhere nice but because Jack's Dane came in was wanting to watch some game or something we up going to Bailey's Sports Bar out in Rivergate. <laughs> so we're all at Bailey's Sports Bar out in Rivergate, and Ron Quillo is, like, telling Kajima, this is a four. Do you want – you know, like, trying to hold his hand. And I think Plunky can tell you that he wasn't – he wasn't that hard to understand and deal with. Sure. I think he was a lot smarter. So that kind of, I told Mark, I said, Can you believe how they are talking to him like he's some five year old or something? Sure. You know? And like I said, I'm not trying to make anybody sound bad or anything. It's just you know, my opinion of what happened. Sure. And if they don't yeah. if they don't like it, you know, they can call Jimmy Street and they call me, I don't care. <laughs> so, But, you know, I don't think Bruce had any ill will towards it being plunky. I think he was just dealing with his little buddy, Chris, what Chris was wanting. Because all Bruce really cared about was showing up and playing big shot, sure. which is nothing wrong with that. Because if you know what you got to deal with, then, you, you know, other than that, I've never had a, a crossword with Bruce. I know a lot of people shit on him, but he was always good to me, always treated me good. And yeah. if I had a problem, it usually got worked out. Other than this, so, so anyway, we're there. We we have dinner with them, and everything goes pretty good. So we get to the show, and Cersei's cooking steaks and everything for the boys, and we do this big meet and greet. And Ron Quillo, I think's mad because nobody's buying his gimmicks. <laughs> and uh, and uh, even Cersei, Cersei did like commemorative shirts, oh, yeah. NWA shirts, uh, little belts, and even Cersei wasn't selling shit. Because you had so much stuff. But anyway, the meet and greet did pretty good. We did enough meet and greet sales to pay for Kojima, so everything was good. The show drew probably one of, you know, I don't know TJ's business numbers over the years because it's been so long, but that had to be in the top three shows drawing wise later. And uh, so that day the fire marshal shows up. Three times before bell time, <laughs> threatening to shut the show down. And TJ's shoot capacity of everybody in the building was like 175 people. Sure. Nobody really ever knew that. So that means wrestlers, referees, everybody, fans. Yeah. And so, Plunky, I don't, I'm sure you know that, but that's why we put you on early. Because if the show is going to get shut down, that's what's going to happen. Boom,
3: there it is. That was another question I had. Thank you. Perfect. (laughs) So,
2: I actually didn't
0: know that. I I thought that was a concession you had to make, right? Um, No, absolutely not. Absolutely, the deal. Okay,
2: no, but uh, absolutely not because TJ was so worried that the the fire market was going to shut it down. The last time he came in there, TJ, at I think it was even before 730, TJ was selling tickets and telling them to walk around the, behind the building and sneak in the back door because we had the back door up so high because it was <laughs> so, so hot. A million degrees, so many yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you can go look at the footage on YouTube. That place was standing room only. Right. I mean, Pack. yeah. You know, yeah. and and Plunky drew that house. Yeah. You know, because yeah. everything else was regular angles. You know, we had a few cage matches with Gator and Hammerjacks deal, but Plunky was the hot item. Right. No, right. no hose barred. The whole. Right. So Plunky, I'll let you take it over. Just tell him how Kajima treated you when he got there. Cause that's, you know, that ought to seal the deal with them. Not thinking that you was a legit guy or something.
3: Yeah. And, and hold up real quick. Thank you, Kroll. You're a great co-host here. So Plunky, as going into this, tell me kind of how you felt when you first heard that you were the guy when th- that they were going with you and there was a bit of a battle about it. Talk about a, a little of that. Um,
0: so when I first heard it, the, the very first time I heard it, uh, I was kind of, I'll believe it when it happens. I, I, I got to the point in, in wrestling where, you know, you get promised so many things and it never happened. Um, yeah. And just seeing, I know Bruce had been in, had Chris been in before
2: Kroll? No, that was the only time.
0: Okay. Um, I just, I, I didn't know if they, if they would go for it. And then once we started shooting the stuff for it, I was like, "This is happening,
3: right?" right.
0: Um, and then I I began being gung ho about it, and I was training my ass off, and I was doing anything we could to promote. It. I, it was like every day I would I would promote something, and I was I was let in a little bit on the battle that was going on. Like I I knew and I'm very thankful that that Tim and Mark and Mike were fighting for me. I didn't know to what degree. I didn't know. Is is extreme as um, as Carlos is saying, um, but I knew I knew especially especially day of I knew Chris Chris kind of blew me off like that day like okay. I, I I shook Bruce's hand and he was uh, he was cool Bruce has always been cool as far like to me and and then Chris was just like yep all right cool bud. Uh, and in fact, I believe I may have told him, what "You're welcome for the house," because I was pretty salty. <laughs> uh, awesome, <laughs> but no man, Kojima wants in, and Kojima was awesome. He was great. I, I went up and I introduced myself. He's a, and you know, he he said he knew who I was, and that on the plane ride over, he had watched my matches so that we could work together. Um, you talked about them having uh, Rob Conway in, didn't they try to say Rob was supposed to be the translator and help us put the match together? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> he just sat like he just sat there. Me and Kajima put the match together. He wasn't needed for that. Kojima spoke plain enough English. This was not his first time in the States at all.
3: Did Rob get a payday for that, Crawl? I'm sure he did, but that was probably soon Bruce and not, not on your side, yeah. No, okay. no. Not okay. at all. I was gonna say, man. Um I, I do wanna go back on, on Tracy though, real quick. Please. Uh, yeah. Tracy
0: was coming in and I, I don't know. I guess it really doesn't matter to avoid Tracy's business. Um, I know somebody was or else was originally scouted for that, and they had wanted, like, a, a significant payoff to come in. And it was somebody that I, at the time, had not been linked with at all. And then the idea got shot to Tracy. And from my understanding, and Cole correct me if I'm wrong, he was coming in for barely over gas money to shoot those vignettes.
2: I think he paid him 100 bucks, but then I think the night of the show, he gave it to TJ's old lady after... Uh, One of the benefit shows we did following after TJ passed away. Well, I think we gave him a hundred bucks to come in and do that.
0: Yeah. And and let's talk about these vignettes real quick. Tracy, you don't talk about anything beforehand. Right? We were playing off each other. Everybody knows how broken down Tracy was at that time. Yeah. But man, when that red light came on, he shoot belly to belly suplex me. If you find those vignettes and you see the one where he gives me a belly to belly, I was not ready and I did not help. Yeah. Yeah, He just shoot belly-to-belly suplexes me in training.
3: That's amazing.
0: And and he cuts money promos. Like, there's a go-home money promo with him in front of the N.W.A. Saw banner. And watching it to this day makes me cry. And I'll forever be thankful to Tracy for doing that.
1: Right now, everybody's talking about... Jeremiah was a bullfrog. I love it. I love it. It's cool. I've done a couple seminars in. It's atti- it. great attitude. Whatever I can do to help you, I've been blessed to help so many guys that have made it in this sport. You've got the heart. you got the desire. you got the biggest. This is the biggest. you got everything to gain and nothing to lose. If you can hold on to that, and by May 30th, you be the SAW NWA television champion, you have a shot at the heavyweight champion of the world, Right? if I can ever say his name right. Kojima, is that right? Yep. Hey, I wrestled in Japan, 21 tours. I wrestled for New Japan, All Japan, for Wings, IWA Japan, FMW, and there's one more, I can't remember. But 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 uh, I know who he is, and, and he's a tough guy, and he's not taking you lightly. Japanese, their, their culture is not that way. That's not, they are well prepared. Those people, a dishwasher works 12, 16 hours a day, am I wrong or right? They had the tsunami, they've already rebounded. Those people worked their butt off. You're the first of three title shots. You know what? He, you're not going to sneak up on him, but he is making like a 16-hour flight with the 13 hours ahead is their, their time. Their, their time, it's like, what? Uh, it's wee hours in the morning there. You know what I mean? His sleep's going to be all messed up. Jet lag is a big thing. I know that. I've been on a plane that could have hurt Rob Conway you know when he dropped the belt to him over there you know in the Tokyo Dome so you, you got a lot of advantages on that but uh, you what you can't worry about is all the things on social media and all the, the being directed towards you negativity you know preparation meets opportunity you're a humble young man the NWA board has selected you all right as, but you got to hold on to that We got a lot of work to do. Japanese style is a big, big difference, man. I've been in the the ring, been fortunate with some of the great Japanese wrestlers or some of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And let me tell you what, man, you better be ready to bring it when you're in there with them. They can take it easy. That's from Antonio Inoki to the Giant Baba, Ricky Choshu, Kenta Kobayashi, uh, Kawada, uh, Sakaguchi, uh, Hashimoto, Muda, Chono, a lot of those guys like that. They they playing, man. They play. They will. If you blow up, if you get winded, they will embarrass you. One thing you got going for you is this is your home crowd. This is your home. You're the home home field advantage. This guy's not worried about the roar of the crowd. Am I right? Right? He's not yeah, worried he, about. That. He's coming he to care here. To, less. He's coming here to embarrass you, and he's hoping he, that he's going to have an easy one. He knows you're coming and do, but he's looking already ahead. I, i would say he is in a little bit but he's looking to go to houston texas well maybe he may not make it man. he may not make it man you want to be you got to know you got to believe i can tell you that mike can encourage you the board of directors can encourage you everybody that that is in your corner that knows that you're a good guy knows that you're a good friend and knows you've been nine years in this business at the age of 27 wrong or right mikey woods Mikey Woods, <laughs> I love Mikey Woods, but uh, you know you got a great attitude, and you're working your butt off, you hold a regular job, you'd like to do this for a living. Well, this is your chance, May 30th. But you got to hold on to that between now. And then. I know I'm going on and on. After I've strolled three hours, I've been thinking about. What I was going to say, I love those guys that are upset that uh, they don't have the title shot. That's not my decision. That's not your decision. That's the board's decision. That's between uh, Bruce Stark. Yep. Right. Uh, you, this is a chance for you, you got everything in the game and nothing to lose we got a lot of work to do like I said we got to get in there you got, to, you, you got to get it man some of Japan's greatest athletes become professional wrestlers it's no joke Japanese press will be here it's a big deal it's a big deal for him to come to the United States to defend the oldest the most prestigious world title which is the NWA world champ oh Harley Race Luthez, Gene Kaninsky Pat O'Connor, okay? Rick Flair, of course. You know what I mean? You know, Chris Candido. I gotta put him in there. I always ask me who was the toughest guy, the best matches I ever had was with Chris Candido. And you know why? Not because he was the biggest, not because he was the strongest, not even because he was the toughest. He had the most heart. He had the most desire. He had it's eighty percent mental, it's twenty percent physical, it's hundred percent right here. All right, you got that, but you're a nice guy. You gotta get rid of that. This business is full of cutthroats. My rock? Oh, Snakes yes. sharks and all that. You ain't gotta be cutthroat, you ain't gotta be snake, but you gotta be a shark, you gotta be a bear, you gotta be a lean, mean, fighting machine. Let's get to work, man. Before the
0: match, uh, he, was, he was like a legitimate coach. Like, he shot the vignettes, but the whole time, I'd be, I'd be warming up, and he'd be like, hey man, hey, hey, you need some calories. And he'd give me a protein bar.
4: <laughs>
0: and then he'd come back a little bit later with like half an orange here, man, you need this for energy. All right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, he's, t- he's leading me through warm-ups, and then, and I, I'll tell this now, because I'm sure statute of limitations. Uh, and then he hands me a lore tab, and he goes, this will get you loose out there. <laughs> <laughs> like, Tracy was... Tracy wanted me to... Succeed. Yeah, man, he just yeah, he just cool. wanted it. Oh, uh, he was... God, I'm crying. Sorry, guys. It's he okay. was the best. reminded
2: me of Candino. Remember?
0: Oh, God, yeah. That was the... Biggest compliment I've ever been given in my life.
4: Yeah.
1: Around 20 years ago, and this is a true show, God bless his soul, Chris Candido. You guys remember him? Oh, yes. I wrestled him in the finals of the NWA turned Dennis Corluso, you remember him? Oh, yeah. He's not with us no more either. It's 93 or 94 or something like that, and we had a tournament. I wrestled uh, Devin Storm, got past him. Eddie Gilbert about killed me. He, he uh, sprayed me with the... Uh, uh, Fire extinguisher. Oh gosh! And then, and, and I lost in the finals to Chris Candido. You remind me a lot of Chris Candido. Your heart, with your being a humble young man that you are. But one thing Chris Candido had that you are doing now, he was he, he trained, he lived, eat and breathed our business
0: until the next show I did, and I said I'm going to miss a diving headbutt, and then I did it, and I go I don't know how he did this, <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, he told me our. I reminded of Candido, and that's the biggest compliment I, I probably could have been given because that's one of my idols. Um, well, just,
2: so you, just so you know, we were just throwing ideas around on the other guy. The other guy was just the first guy we thought of because at that time, he was working out a lot with Josephus and training him. Mark was the one that came up with the story of the aspect of having a veteran like coaching and all yeah. that stuff, and then they were up there using the building a little bit before that and we, we were just like well what about Cash? And then you know I think when he come back with a high price it, and Mark was like well, you know who's perfect for that? Tracy. And that's how that kind of fell together. So you're talking oh, about so, Kid Cash was the original idea? Yeah. But I mean that was just this, he never was like it, it, was, a spin know, it was just us going it was just this you know pitching ideas together. Mark was the one that come up with the idea that the the, vet, the grizzle veteran and trainer. Sure. And then you know because he was working with Joe up there training him, you know, I was just it was like, well, "What about that?" You know, and he was like, right. we "Wanted too much money or whatever." So then, it, it, Mark's like, "You know, Tracy would be perfect for that." So, boom, that's how that came together.
3: In a yeah. sense, almost better. I mean, I, I don't no disrespect. Exactly. I love Kid Cash, but I think Tracy actually yeah. worked better.
2: Yeah, you know? but the reason it wasn't, reason it wasn't. It wouldn't have been any good, like Funky said. He's never had no history connected with himself. So, well, see,
0: I didn't even know about Cash. I, uh, since if it's were put putting, putting that out there, I always heard it would be Dr.
2: Tom. Oh, uh, I, I mean, if that is, that's Mark throwing ideas together. But it was, from what I remember, it was just going to be Cash. I mean, it, okay. Tom, Dr. Tom might have come up and might have wanted too much too. I don't. But Cash was the one that I remember. That's, I've also um, been
0: hitting the head a lot, so it's possible yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> inflating a lot yeah. of things. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, this whole time, I've been, uh, I've been under the impression it was originally Dr. Tom. Uh, no, it's Keith going. Okay. Okay. Yeah, see, okay. you're right. I do not <laughs> know half the things about this. Um, I love this. I'm loving this. Yeah. I remember it being a locker room sellout too. There's people totally not on the show just you, hanging out.
2: You know what? You know what tickled me about that too is Quentin. You know, messaged me he called me, or messaged me, asked me. He said, "Would it be okay if I came to the show and and come in the back?" I said, "Motherfucker, you better." Yeah. That's way.
3: Yeah, seriously. Yeah. You know, God, he's so humble. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you ever just want to shake Quentin? Sometimes Plucky? just say, "Dude, you're awesome. Chill out." <laughs>
0: I tell I tell him it all the time. He, yeah. He, he just yeah. He, he's always been like that. I, I don't want to say always been like that, but he's definitely become like that. Yeah. um no nah, man and I wanted him to be there for that too I remember I wouldn't pick him up yeah like I brought him because he was already starting to not get around too great at that point yeah. um but that's one of the the two shows my parents ever came to that's awesome that's awesome Yeah. You know so it it holds a I, I have a few flyers from my wrestling the only thing I have up in my office not right now because we're about to move but uh the only thing I have up in the office right now, as far as flyers wise, is that
3: is that flyer because that's one of the highlights of my career. Yeah, yeah probably
2: the highlight so, of my involvement in anything, dude.
3: So let me ask you this, because you know this is kind of the fly on the wall here type element here, because you and I were were talking Plunky. I was kind of temporarily out of the business for a little bit, and you and I were talking on the phone or text or whatever at that time. And I remember you were like, "Yeah, man, it's up in the air. I think it's going to happen." These kinds of things. So leading into the the work with tracy was tracy also giving you off the side advice like hey here's how i would do this or anything like that were you getting anything from tracy like that
0: not so much in, in like putting the match together or anything like that okay. um he was he was giving me advice that i i think would have been more true in in his tours of japan sure uh, you, you would always hear about like Your first time over there, the guys are super stiff with you, right? And like they try to take advantage of you. And he was telling me to watch out for that. But I'll tell you right now, Kojima was like butter, dude. So smooth, so easy. Never had that issue. But he would he would warn me about that. You know, he didn't. He telling me about when he would go over there and they take advantage of him until he lit them right back up. Yeah. And you had to you had to kind of earn your respect. But man, I
3: never had that issue with Kojima. Maybe that's a continental thing or something, but okay. So that's great. You're leading into the perfect question that I have right now. So putting the match together with Kojima. Now, obviously you said Rob Conway, you know, quotation marks, a translator, whatever. (laughs) Was it you, Tracy, Kojima, and Rob sitting in a circle? Or was it you and Kojima and Tracy wasn't there? Or did Tracy sit in with the building of the match at all? Or how did any of that work?
0: We were all for there, but like it's
3: really just just me and Kojima. Okay, and so, and so Kojima obviously understands you talking, right? He understands English enough that you know, talk a little bit about that.
0: Um, well, I've I watched a lot, a lot of film too to be ready on the stuff he does, uh, sure. but yeah, it, it, it's all all suggestions, you know, uh, you know, maybe this here, and we just We had to lay out more than we normally would have because of the obvious language barrier, but there was a lot of just flow in in it too. Okay. You know, we, the, the, the bombs and the home stretch, you know, we kind of laid out and everything else we just kind of worked with. Okay. You do this thing when you do this, I know you're going for this. It it was pretty easy. I mean, I, I, it's weird to say, but he's an old pro. He's, you know, he had been doing it a long time at that time.
2: Right. And Funky, wouldn't you say that the crowd was kind of, not for both of you, but, I mean, they didn't really look at him as like, go back to Japan, blah, blah, you know. <laughs> they didn't really boo him. It was more kind of a respectable, this is the champion kind of feel, right?
0: Yeah, they're, they're respectable. Now, they did do a USA champ yeah. <laughs> at one point, and I'm like, well, he's not exactly the evil foreign menace or anything. But, right, right, <laughs> but right. no, they did, They never they never booed him. They did show show him respect. Man, his, just him coming out for at uh, the entrance was cool. And he's just, he's a tank, man. Just, you don't realize how big he is until you're right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but such a gentleman.
3: And so working with him within the match. Now, you said you did he didn't go stiff on you, the classic strong style deal there. But were there things about him that, I guess... Like for all the guys that you had worked before, and we know you'd already worked some a massive amount of legends because of that availability that we had to them in that area. But talk about the similarities to some people, or maybe just is his style totally his own? As far as when you were in the match itself, talk a little bit about actually wrestling him.
0: Um, man, I I tell you, only things I felt, I felt three things: Uh, the the chop, the first and last chop, and his machine gun chops. Yeah. Uh, All the ones in the middle are a little lighter, and then I I hope that doesn't kill kill the image. And that elbow drops a little heavy.
3: Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: Um, The the lariat, you know, if you know what you're doing, it's not going to hurt you. Right. Right. um, But I don't know. He really took his time on anything. I don't know if there's anybody like I could point out to to his styles. Like, I mean, his style's not. I don't want to say not unique because it is his own, but it's not like like something I've never encountered before. Like it, you know, his his move were, you know, lariat, uh, diamond cutter, DDT, elbow, you know, and rolling elbow. Like those are those are his big things. Yeah, okay. all, all all stuff. And he, he's not and it, man, but the thing he didn't have to do, but he did, was he did his best to make me, you know, and I, and I'm sure. Chris Ronquilla specifically probably didn't like that, but I mean, he saw, you know, he took the knockout punch. Yeah. And really, you thought I dropped him. And I think the people in the crowd, because we did a, a, there's a rope break, but I think the people in the crowd thought there was a chance.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it, right? That's the beauty of it. When they, when he gives you that and and let you, that's the beauty of wrestling, man. So, okay. At the end of the match. And and how did you feel about the, I guess, the overall match itself at the end of it? And I want to go to Plunky, and then I would love to hear what you think, Crawl, on that.
0: At the time, I was a a little upset that it was mid-card, not knowing that you did it so that the match would happen, thinking that that was a concession that had to be made. So I, I was a little upset thinking that, and the fact that we could only do 10 minutes because... Kojima had to come back and wrestle in the main. Yeah, you know, that, that match was, was four minutes. The, the one with uh Damien,
2: four minute job.
0: <laughs> um, so I was I I wish we'd have been getting fifteen, maybe even yeah. twenty. I, I I believe we could have told a really story I, a real good story, and I believe we could have really hooked them. Um, but you know, at the, at the end of of the day, it's again it's the highlight of my career and and crow you're right when you said that uh especially at the time like that i cared more about who it was than the the belt and i know that seems crazy but being a massive japanese wrestling fan that i am knowing exactly who satoshi kojima was and following his matches and all the tapes that i've had i had and stuff like that it was i mean i dude I i i haven't i didn't go to the ring and get starstruck a lot by that point but when he made his entrance like it was weird you know and i'm glad i had tracy there to kind of keep me calm <laughs> but in the entrance man if you watch the video uh, i'd never received a reaction like that and it was crazy yeah like those people were going nuts and they're so invested and you know Kroll, uh, did, who hooked up all the advertising stuff Control, like well, when I, you guys had me go do radio and go do Rudy Kalis. Was that you? I, I know LaKeisha was No, I know LaKeisha. Yeah, a lot of
2: that. The Rudy Kalis was LaKeisha.
0: Yeah. So I mean, we we plugged it through, you know, and Rudy was great. God, did. that was co- cool too to do an interview with the sports guy I'd watched my entire life. But, uh, <laughs> but I, don't, I just so much went into that, and I I, I truly feel you know,
2: and. Well, I, I don't know if you know this, like a, but they were yeah. supposed not cut you off for quick, but yeah. they were supposed to do a live remote there before the show. But they, uh, one of the local team's baseball, uh, softball girls team was going to the state or something, got got us preempted that that the day before. I, I knew he said uh,
0: he was supposed to be there. Yeah, and and wasn't. But
2: that's why he wasn't. That's what we were told. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't. Know. I just. I really think and I hate this because it sounds like I'm tooting my own horn and I hate that, that they, that it was a missed opportunity because of the drama. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could have been, I don't know. I just think it could have been awesome. It was awesome. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it wasn't. I just hate that the, the drama led to so much BS. And like, there was people upset. I I don't know who was working upset and who was shoot upset. (laughs) Like, like I, I know like Sean Schultz and I were in an angle, so I know he was working upset. But then there was other people posting about me not deserving a match and getting kind of personal oh. with the insults.
3: There you go. So, Damian Wayne, we know everybody. I like Damian Wayne. I have nothing bad to say about Damian Wayne whatsoever. I know you work with him currently. Kroll, I know that's an active, you know, relationship there as far as professional-wise. I mean, was there some heat there? Was he upset about some things?
2: I mean, as far as what he told me is that he didn't want to infringe on Clunky and, you know, like he was trying to, I mean, but, you know, if Clunky heard something that I didn't, that's what he actually told me. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, you know. I, I've never brought it up because, frankly, I, I didn't care enough to. And I'm the same way. I like Damien, and I would have hated if if it would would have been legitimate because I, I would look at him a different way. But right. yeah. that that that's good to, to know that because I've never wanted to ask. Yeah. Yeah. But, Guy
2: yeah, he was just... He was just there mainly because they wanted him there the way he played it to me. So Okay. okay. So a
3: victim of the yeah. circumstances of a bit, you know. Yeah. But, you know, the things that, that go on. So if in reverse Jason Kincaid had been av- available, do you think they would have tried to push him further into it? Or was that literally just no. scrapped after once that, it was over after that,
2: initial, after that initial phone call, he was, he was only it was brought up at the time.
3: Okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, I'm just curious about that too. So, because
2: so, they we're talking about, you know, other like, you know, other names, you know, like national names, like TNA, you know, style names and stuff. I was like, oh. <laughs> you right. Know? You know, that's why I was so aggravated. I was like, look, this is the way it is. That's the way it's going to be. You know, if y'all don't want to go that way, bring it who you want, but sure. you're paying for it.
3: Right, right. And I'm washing my hands of it. But, you know, the fact that you basically died on that hill, I, I I absolutely respect that so much of you that you not only believed in your guy, you literally, like a force of nature, made that happen.
2: <laughs> well, you might as well look at it this way. It's not that I didn't love Plunky, but, you know, we were all for one and one for all, you know? Yeah. So what benefited Plunky benefit, benefited me and TJ, yeah. you know? Was, yeah. Yeah, that's he was awesome. Our Jerry Lawler at that time, you know? Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Ma- he made the territory. So,
3: the after effects of this match. Now, once everything settles down, where did everything go after that? Talk a little bit about that, Crow.
2: All right. The next night, they were in Houston with uh, Kojima, and that was Chris Ronquillo's show. And from what I remember, this has been eight, nine years now, but uh, best I remember the The setup was real dark because they taped in like a a VFW hall or something. They had like tables for ring barriers with the front row, if I oh. remember right. Oh. So the setup the setup looked like shit. Houston Carson looked like a million dollars, but I guarantee you the reaction, the match, and everything was nothing like what they had that Friday night. Okay, and yeah. then at the CAC which I think was actually on a Sunday or a Monday night. I'm not sure the show, but, you know, that, that there's more of the boys watching the matches than it is actually the fans. And, um, you know, that was more like just a place to do the title change. Really, sure. if they were smart, if they were smart and nothing against Plunky, as just, uh, you know, just as far as the production value and the atmosphere and the setup, they would have been better to do a title switch at Solnit. But they did a a flat finish in Vegas. Nobody gave a shit, you know, because it's just, you know, the boys at the CAC, everybody that's ever been in the business should go at least one time to experience it. It's weird, especially the wrestling shows. You have Nick Bockwinkle sitting in the crowd. You have, like, (laughs) the first night we was there, I was sitting in the row right behind where Nick Bockwinkle and Scott Hall were talking. So it's, it was pretty cool. Terry Funk walked up to me in the lobby, said, Hey, how you doing, buddy? Shut my hand. You know, he come to me, like going to the, the little liquor store. They got in there. I was coming I was coming out of it. He was going in and he said, Hey buddy, how you doing? You know, what's your name? <laughs> you know, so everybody should at least go to C A C one time. So anyway, right. out of I the three it. matches that could or the four matches that Kojima had, they're hands down. You know, from here to the moon, everybody else is trying to trying to break or not even getting off two inches off the ground. Him and Plunky were past Saturn. That's how, yeah. in my opinion, which I think my opinion should mean something because you know I'm the one that put it together, the one that edited, and you know from just everything, it right. the best. And and from what you know, for them not to really have anything as far as television or anything, they really missed the boat when they didn't take take me and TJ up on our offer because could you imagine the rub that we would have got if we were kind of the central hub with all the talent coming through and stuff? Oh, it would have been immense. It would have been immense. Because that would have yeah. been, pay- been the payoff for us locally and guys like Plunky getting to work all these guys coming through, you know? But yeah. we wasn't good enough, you know? So they never had no TV. That's why their shit sucked outside of the few that actually had their shit together.
3: Had you booked it without their interference in anything and they just kind of gave you the keys to the kingdom, Crow, how, how would you have done it differently?
2: I don't think match wise I'd have done anything different except give them a good 20 minutes to do, go out there and like Monkey said. And other than that, I think the night was magical.
3: Obviously, Damien probably would not have been involved with Kojima. Oh, no, 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 not at all. And and in a perfect world, you know, like you said, with not worrying about the fire marshal, you would have had him at the end of the card. And and now this is an interesting question. So how was it's hard to think of it in a perspective of a a person who is no longer here. Rest in peace, Mike Cersei. What was Mike? What was he thinking, you know, at that time, you know, after everything was said and done?
2: Well, Mike was on thin ice with him anyway. That's why we need to get to the Vegas part of it. Please take it this away. This is the part that I was wanting to tell. All right. So we get through the we get through the show Saturday evening. We're flying to Vegas. We get to Vegas Saturday about five or six o'clock Vegas time. We'll get our room, you know, blah blah blah. Everybody's hanging out. This hotel we stayed in has got like sixteen restaurants, so everybody, you know, kind of conjugating to their groups. All right. So this whole weekend, Mike was hot with them, and I don't even to be honest, remember what it was other than the other than the, uh, our show, something that they wouldn't do. Mike wanted to, uh, to be honest, I don't remember what Mike's grievance with, with Bruce was, but he wanted to talk to Bruce about something. And it wasn't nothing to do with Saul or anything, but uh, they just kept blowing him off. So, yeah. so like the second day out there, Chris Ronquillo and Bruce come to me when I'm by myself during the day. And like Chris Ronquillo's like, So basically they come to me and it's like, it's like, Timmy, we want you involved in what we're doing, but we're fixing to have to do some, some trimming of our associates. And we want to, we want to know if you're with us or not with us. And I'm like, what the are you talking about? They're like, uh, we're fixing to cut ties with Mike, you know? And, uh, the only reason they could give me why is because Ron Quillow says, well, Tim, he cussed me all the time. He cusses me like I'm a kid or something. And I said, well, was I said, I can understand that if you're doing stupid, ignorant shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I told him, I said, I said, no, I'm not, you know, I don't feel comfortable y'all even asking me this. I said, Mike's my friend. Mike's the one that brought me in. I, I said, so if Mike's done, I guess I'm done. And and they didn't like that. Not saying yeah. that that's not why they didn't do anything with Mike, but, but finally, like the third day Bruce got with Mike, and they basically, for, and and to be honest, I don't think I ever really knew why. But they they get you know told Mike they didn't want him no more or Mike. But if I remember Mike right, before they told him that Mike just went ahead and quit and told y'all blah 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 and all that, which I thought was up because we brought Kajimmy in, did this whole damn weekend with him and all this bullshit, and then they do Mike that way, especially out in Vegas why not do that shit at Nashville, you know? Save the sure. trip and some time. So that, you know, I was like, man, this shit, you know? So, yeah. yeah, and uh, they never gave me a reason why other than that he cusses me. Yeah. So, you know, that was probably the only time I was mad at Bruce, but it wasn't nothing he done to me is just because of the way they were doing my friend. Because right. like I told him, I said, dude, wrestling doesn't pay my bills. I said, I work for living i do this as a creative outlet and try to make a little money right. i said i said you know i said we're you know we're doing 60 or more events we're running a weekly of town we got our own venue set up perfect for tv i've offered it to y'all several times you know and then chris goes right back to that well tim is just too small i said yeah chris but go watch some of my shows the way that is shot it looks bigger than what it is it looks better than what it. yes it's a shithole <laughs> but it looks good for what it is. Right. And it's a start. Yeah. You know, so you have nothing. and I'm trying to give you something that's better than nothing. <laughs> you know, so I was just like, see. So anyway, that same day, I think that was when Nick Nitris texted or called me and told me TJ was in the hospital. So you talking about coming off a high of a lifetime to a low of a lifetime. Right. Right. So. So we flew back I think Wednesday night and got home like early, early Thursday morning, like six o'clock Thursday morning. And then I think me and Mike went home and then got cleaned up and then met back out at the hospital. So T J was in there for like I think ten days or two weeks. You just talk about man you talking about riding a hide and coming down low with the Cersei shit and then with the T J man. It's like it's like damn man. But that's life. Yeah. But, but as yeah. far as my friendship with TJ, I'm glad that was the last show that he ever was at because it was like we were the shiznit that night. You know what I'm saying? Everybody right. top to bottom. Right. You know, what a what a way to go out for our last show. So that's one. Not only because of Plunky being able to do what we did with him, but it was just like a magical night to me. And, and you know, you can't really – you know, you go back and look at things and think, well, what you know. But it's like, man, it's almost like perfect. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know he was proud of everybody and proud of it. it was like, you know, shit, dude. It's like, why can't it be this every week? But you know, I'm, I'm sitting here tearing up. <laughs> but man, uh, you know, that's probably the most proud moment of my of my life, far as because I look, I look at my career. That I'm more proud of stuff I've done. Doing TV or something, I did anything I did in the ring, yeah, Yeah. you know, because I never really cared to be a a headliner, WrestleMania, nothing. I just, I just loved to be able to know that I could get in there and do that, you know, just like discover it and learn it and excel at it, you know, sure, sure, but but yeah, you definitely carved out your niche for sure, Krull, you know, so anyway. Uh, the the rest of the Vegas story was Ronquillo and Bruce come to find out guess who else was into it who I so guess who else was into it you, you don't know Punky you can't guess was in Bronquillo with- and Bruce was into it. Oh well
0: that, yeah that's not surprising okay
2: because when all this was going on, I was Bruce invited me with James beard like two in the morning at this uh, doodle exchange. Just, uh, they were coming back from partying somewhere and they seen me in the lobby. Said, Come on, Timmy, let's go, let's go sit down. So I went over there and they and Bruce was just throwing Ron Quillo under the bus and making little slurs and shit. Because at this time, Ron Quillo was trying to like recruit uh Riviera and his group to join the NWA because I think they were gonna join uh Dave Marquez's stuff. And this is traditional
3: okay. championship wrestling, right, TCW? Yeah. Well, I yeah.
2: think this was after they had pretty much uh, folded up or were, were folding up, but they were trying to get Riviere, you know, because Riviere, not trying to be mean, Riviere, because, I, you know, the, the guy was just a money mark for us. So right, right. Like some of them are. I mean, y'all know, Plunky could probably count 20 on his hands and feet that, you know, <laughs> that pay to play. I mean, that's just what it is. But, uh yeah. The first night at the first show, we were there at CAC, Ron Quillo, when uh, uh, Dave Marquez walked in, that mother watched him like, oh, he said, Bruce, Bruce, he's looking over and looking at, him. look at him. He just looked, he just looked. And finally, after about two hours of that, I told him, I said, you want me to go over and slap the mother? <laughs> and I'm like, Who gives a-? you know, yeah. but anyway, I don't know, really. I or would even remember what Mike's heat with Bruce and Ronquillo and them was, but I think it was more with Ronquillo because Ronquillo was the one running everything. But okay. Now I'm having recall. A lot of that might have been over Bordell getting the national title. Okay. And I think that's where Ronquillo and Cersei got into it because I didn't know this, but this is what I was told that Mike wanted uh Bordell. Mike, I told Mike, I said, man, Vordell would be a good national champion because he gets around, and he's a hell of a talent. Yeah. So I don't, I'm don't. i not saying I put that in Mike's head, but Mike took that idea and ran with it. And from what Ron Quillo and him told me in Vegas, now that I remember it, Ron Quillo saying that he told them that me and him both were going to quit the NWA if they didn't give Vordell a national title run. I said, well, that ain't true on my end. If Mike told you that, that's that's on Mike. I said, but if Mike's gone, I'm gone. I said, so, you know, I said, Mike brought me in, and I, you know, if Mike's out, I'm out. But, uh, that, I think that was what some of it had to do with it. And whether that's true or not, that was what Ron Quillo told me. Mike Searcy never told me that. But I do know when they gave Wardell the same thing with Plunky, it was a magical night. Ron Quillo even called and we put him on the PA and he thanked Wardell and, you know, kind of gave him his blessing. and, And then this, like, Two days after their bullshit started because supposedly Bordell had a prior booking where he was putting a guy over that was like a rival or said something online on, on something about, hey, we beat your champion or some stupid shit. Who cares? But uh, that's when uh, Ronquillo and Bruce were like sour on Bordell. But Bordell claims he had the uh, text messages and stuff where he told him, hey, I got this booking, this booking, after that, I'm good, boom, boom, boom. And then supposedly it all just fell apart. So I told Waddell, I said, Waddell, you do what you got to do. I said, there ain't no heat with you working here. I said, you know, I said, we did that for you because, you know, we want to, you know, you deserve it. And, you know, plus they need it on, they need their belts on guys that are going to get around and do what their belts are supposed to be for, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anyway, the next year at CAC, because of all this bullshit, Ron Quillo, I don't know what happened there with him and Bruce and the other guy, uh, Fred, whatever his name was out of Jersey, but Bruce buys them out or whatever. They're kicked out or whatever. So then that's when Bruce becomes the sole owner of whatever the NWA was or whatever it was. Or. But, uh, so the following year, the first year we went there, they were wanting to kick Cersei out the second year. They're putting them in the hall of fame. Ain't And How <laughs> uh, what difference a year makes. Yeah, and I think that's why Bruce did it because he probably felt so bad about it. But isn't that a bitch? One year they don't want you, the next year you're in the Hall of Fame. That, that's that's a perfect example of wrestling, man. Yeah, <laughs> of the business, you know. But not saying that Mike deserved to be in an NWA Hall of Fame, but for all the politic and bullshit that he he did and got over by all these motherfuckers. Yeah, give that mother a Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know, yeah, That's how I felt about it. Right. Well,
0: if if I remember right, because the whole reason it went to to Bruce Tharp and Ronquillo and them, there was like a lawsuit over insurance fraud with the original, with the people before.
2: That goes back to our buddy Mike Porter. Mm. But, but doesn't Mark.
0: didn't Cersei like basically because he was under that branch of the NWA as well? He ended up going with Tharp and Ronquillo after all that. So, the, this the fact is what
2: that- I was told and what I understand. I, right, Bruce and Chris Ron joined the NWA, and supposedly their shows were drawing, Bruce's shows were drawing four or 500 people when they would run. And part of their, you know, basically whatever the NWA's gimmick was to join was like three grand to become a full member and have your own sanctioned territory. Right. So, supposedly Bruce and Chris both did that. And, uh, didn't, but part of what they also offered is that you become a part of the NWA, you're able to use this insurance for free. Well, Porter got the same policy that Tony had at the stadium in to build the Shields. It was a company, uh, I think, in Manchester or somewhere. And uh, Tony would t- be able to tell you the name of the insurance So more about that. That's the shoot palette. But basically, Porter had the same policy that Tony had, good for, for like 52 events a year in front of less than 200 people. So now you got Porter and them offering any NWA member access to the Basically, the insurance was no good right? because of them doing that, but it, it got them in the buildings that required it that they could run. That's basically what the gimmick was. So that's what, from what I understand, because Bruce and them never would tell you and Cersei never would tell you because it was, you know, I guess when they agreed and set, settled, but... That's what Bruce and Ron Quillo sued them for, was fraud because they had bought into a company that the insurance was no good. So I guess that's where their gripe was. And then according to Cersei, Cersei didn't tell me any numbers or anything, but he said when they got to investigating everything, uh, the lawyer out of uh, that was over over the books. There was no money in it, so it was like it was a Ponzi scheme for the. The ones that were on the board, you know, whatever monies was coming in, there was no, there were wasn't anything there for Bruce and them to get other than the trademark and the ownership of the brand. So gotcha. the reason Cersei was named on it was because he was a recognized board member of however many it was, seven or nine. Porter, it was Porter, Bill Burns, uh, Dave Marquez, Cersei, Fred Rubenstein, and uh, uh, Robert Trobich out of uh, so it was about seven or nine of them. So all of them agreed to give him the brand. So that's how Bruce got the brand from what I understand. That's the short version of it. Golly, but, uh, okay. But Cersei and Fred Rubenstein were the first ones to like cross over because Cersei was upset that it wasn't any money in the treasury or whatever, you know, when everybody's paying this money in and it's not being done right, according to Mike, because if you know Mike, like I know Mike, he's, you know, he's like Barney w- Fife. See the sins of is. You know, he wants it by the book. You know, the way he yeah. tries to, you know, and wrestling ain't that way. Brother. Right, right. But uh, right. but yeah, that's pretty much how that that come down. And as soon as that happened, you know, Cersei's like, "Hey, you want to join NWA?" I said, "Sure, why not?" <laughs> <laughs> and I think we actually became NWA saw in the second week of December, yeah, of twenty twelve. Yeah, I remember that.
3: Yeah, man. So well, since we brought him up, how was Porter's reaction to that? If you
2: can Oh you? that I don't know. Porter Porter I men Porter hadn't talked since probably two thousand Yeah, but you hear they, stuff through the grapevine, surely, oh, didn't you? Well here's something that y'all probably pop for. Uh what I was told, this was I was told by Bruce and Chris Ronquillo is that when they were trying to settle a lawsuit that uh I guess because you had to go and sh- like they would send a subpoena or whatever, because you're named in this lawsuit, Porter would, you know, like when they would send him shit, he would send them like negative shit back with him. Yeah. Whether it be a letter or a phone call or shit. But that's how Porter was. <laughs> like, <laughs> of course. Right. You know? Right. So yeah. I figured y'all pop for that definitely definitely that's
3: just yeah so okay plunky after this match and after things went as they may one question i have is what was tracy's reaction to the actual match i would love to hear his thoughts on it and then also what did it do for your career as far as bookings after that if, if you don't mind
0: um let's see so i just remember tracy like i don't remember ex- what was said I-, I do remember tracy giving me a big hug yeah i have word, say, saying good job um but as far as like any details on, on what was said, I, I I can't remember. I've been in sure. uh, too many times. <laughs> uh, as far years. as career, uh, I, I had already booked uh, a tour in, I'd say a tour, a couple dates in Australia through, actually, thanks to Kroll, because uh, a couple of Australian guys came through and Kroll Great guys. Put to use them it. over. Yeah. Oh, put yeah. them over yeah Shark carter chris target uh let's see who who else was with them yeah it was three of them wasn't it? yeah uh, james grace uh yeah. they came in worked with drew and i and uh we ended up taking them out downtown and becoming friends with them and they ended up uh, we're going to bring me and drew and then drew quit uh but ended up uh bringing bringing me in shortly after that um so had that uh things things kind of heated up a little bit and then uh shortly after that i ended up tearing my shoulder so any momentum i had uh went away because i was out for six
3: months of shoulder surgery (laughs) Yeah, that was rough. I remember that. So, <laughs> I knew you were, when you came back from Australia, your brother was eating Vegemite sandwiches. So I knew I was like this guy, he's he's becoming more seasoned. You're grizzling your vet a little more yeah. than you went. So, yeah. Learning that, I thought I thought that was really cool that you got to go do that. Like I said, those are great guys. I got to meet them, you know, through different shows and stuff. But, you know, Krull, if you could have done anything differently, during that time is there a couple things that maybe you say okay man i i I, because you did dude you basically by will and force you made that event happen with plunky and you know it shouldn't have been that hard we all agree i'm a plunky mark you're a plunky mark but when it comes down to it if there's anything you could have done differently is there anything you can think of off the top of your head not really. I mean, because it
2: was, you know, we were all in or we were all out, you know?
3: Yeah, because when you take, like, such a hard stance, and trust me, I respect you even more for this hard stance you've been taking. But, uh, you
2: know, ain't that the awesome. best kind of you though? You, you make them do it your way, and then yeah. you shove it up their ass by being the, the best of the whole little tour they did. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, is there
3: and you guys can speak to this because in the outsider in outside realm, I'm an adopted Memphis, Mark, and I, I love Tennessee wrestling. But sometimes there's a bit of a, you know, a weird vibe that some people give about Tennessee wrestling. Right. And do you think was any of that involved in their thinking on some of this at all?
2: No, I think it just comes down that that. Chris Ronquillo was not smart to how to deal with wrestling. And, yeah, I think okay. for, and I think, for whatever reason, it had to be somebody that he, in his mind, was a credible person that these people in New Japan would. And I'm telling you, there's no way that any of anybody they dealt with in New Japan gave a shit about Plunky, me, or Damien, right. or whoever the hell he wrestled. Right, right. Because if if that's the case, why did the Houston Carson kid get in there? Because he just, you know, he's... You know, probably the plunky of Chris Ronquillo's show.
3: Sure. Any word on what Houston Carson's doing nowadays? Anybody know? He
2: runs his own gimmick. It's called uh, Lion's Pride Den. And I think he has his own little school and they run little shows and stuff. Seems okay. like it does pretty good because he's always posting stuff. That's cool. Good
3: deal. He's not on a nationally televised, though, anything? Or... Yeah. Okay, yeah.
2: Yeah, but Got if it. you go back and look at when they first took over the NWA 2 All the the major titles were on all of Chris Ronquillo's guys. Yeah. You know? Okay. So, yeah. My mentor, Kenny Still, lived in
3: Virginia and was trying to get the NWA Mid Atlantic promotion but bruce tharp was essentially okay with that promotion it hadn't ran in several years maybe even five or six or something to that effect but he was okay essentially by someone owning it but not running it what would be the story for that i mean not to know the details but why would bruce be okay with stuff like that do you think i don't know get bruce on your show maybe i I have no idea that's the first i ever heard of that yeah, it was, it. you know, he tries. he said, hey, I want to be the MWA member, I want to get NWA Mid-Atlantic going, and there was a mid yeah. That was, and had of, the-
2: that was one of the guys that Damian Wayne and Lance Erickson worked for, because I think they were bringing their belts, or they were, you know, doing the belt collecting bullshit. Sure, sure. You know, they yeah. were lugging all these belts around. <laughs>
3: which is, man, you know, an extra bag for all your belts. But, yeah. yeah, and and Lance was on the show that night. Lance was kind of, you know, a, a riding partner, of Damian Wayne and good friend. And, again, you know. Hey,
2: Clunky, can I, Clunky, can I confess one thing to you without you being mad at me? Sure. sure. When you tore your shoulder, the, the, they gave us the control of the national title, and the reason you didn't, they were under the impression that you would get it, but the reason you didn't is because you hurt your shoulder that time. I never told you that and I always wanted to. Mm. I,
0: I mean there's no no reason I, I'd get mad at you if I could have done it. I would have.
2: But Yeah, I know, but but I know y'all I know you and Drew were kinda sore when we brought in and uh Conway and uh Jax with the world tag titles, but that was just political with, with Bruce and them. That was just trying to, you know, play the game with them is why Damien and uh Lance got that shot, not you guys. You know, oh, that's why no, I never that, told I mean, y'all was,
0: that we never really had a problem with that. The only problem we ever yeah. had, as far as the tag team stuff goes, is uh, that that time that somebody was sore about dropping the belts back to us and decided to oh. lift
3: the shoulder up.
2: <laughs> well, they dropped them though, didn't
0: they? Yeah, they sure did. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh man! Don't want to mention names, guys. Don't want to mention. Names. Oh, I don't. I
0: don't care. It was Lance Erickson. Yeah,
3: yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. So you know, if it were being done now in the, today's. You know, like if you, you know, let's just say this was happening in your current promotion that you're running now Krull. you know, when it came down to it though, I think even more that that you were already kind of a force of nature and things were out of your hands. I think you, you said it earlier, but you would do the exact same thing right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: I love that. Well, I mean, and I think all this could have been avoided if Chris Ronquillo was smart to the business and I, Nothing against Chris on anything that I've never dealt with him on. I ain't holding any grudges. I'm just telling, telling my side of something. He might have a completely different side of it, and he's entitled to it because it's his opinion. But I think his inexperience of being one of the boys or being in the business was what kept the NWA down as bad as it was when they first had it. And then when they got rid of him or he quit or whatever the only thing that they ever had really going for them was they had a new Japan deal. And he took credit for all that when he was telling me about it and that, you know, but you know, I think for Bruce and them, it was just kind of dumb. luck the success that they did have.
4: Yeah.
2: No, because by the end of their little five year run with it, you know, uh, you know, Riviera was the only one really booking the champions and having control over belts because his guys had all the belts and, uh, Because when by that time, I was helping Farron and Franklin, and I was still an NWA promoter. And uh, we did a couple shows up in Cookville just for footage and and stuff like that. And that was when we had the national title on Eric Andrews. And then uh, when Farron sold it to James Carver, you know, James wanted me to stay on and help him book. So I did for the first year or two or whatever up there. And we were still NWA. You know, we had brought Bruce in and done a big angle where we were actually planning on running a big show at the fairgrounds in Nashville and putting the world title on Dan. And you can ask James Carver in that little shitty office that we had there, Bruce come in. I ran this whole idea by him, how I wanted to use how they screwed Damien out of the world title and use that to build up, to bring Bruce in as the heel champ, as the heel Vince McMahon type character, you know, trying to keep, stuff off him, so Bruce liked the idea, so they had Greg Anthony drop the national title to Damian, and then we, we shot that angle, and then and dumbass with the Kentucky Commission set up, and I, and I blame Chris Ronquillo for this, because supposedly after Bruce came in and we did all this stuff, we brought a, a Paul in with Bruce and uh, endorsing him as going to be the next NWA national champion, which was a swerve, we brought Cahagas out and he dropped the belt to Cahagas just like they did the world title. You know, so the, when Bruce first took it over, trying to rehatch that, uh, the next time Bruce was supposed to come in, uh, Tim Gonneman, who was the Kentucky commissioner, athletic commissioner, stoozed off to James Carver that he's going to drug test Bruce Stork because he got an anonymous tip that Bruce Thorpe smokes the marijuana. (laughs) 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 So being, being, being honest that I don't want Bruce to get publicly embarrassed if he comes in and gets, you know, done like that, being a lawyer and everything, I tell Bruce, "So Bruce, you know, you can't blame him. So then he doesn't want to come back. And that kind of, you know, plus this is the whole time when, just a few months after that, they announced a deal with Corgan buying him out. So so that probably wouldn't have never happened. But at the time, we had control of the national title. And the last year that we were an NWA member, uh, we, we were supposed to have control of the junior heavyweight title. Because for some reason, Rob Conway wanted uh, Mr. USA to be the world junior heavyweight champion. And I think the main reason he pitched that is because he wanted to have his places where he could get bookings, oh, you know, okay. close yeah, to home, sense. you know, yeah. so it was, you know, not to, uh, James is a, a shitty talent or not, but that's the way I've seen it. So for, for nine months before the Corgan takeover, we're trying to get John, uh, I think John Sexton is his name. He had been sitting on the world junior title, not wanting to drop it, because I guess he was mad because Bruce wouldn't make people book him as the champion. Yeah, and he yeah. wasn't getting any bookings with it. So by the time we finally got it, he helped us up. Wouldn't just come in and drop it. We had to book him. So at the time we didn't have the sawmill, so we booked him and Eric in Telahoma. And then the next night, Eric beat him in Dyersburg. So then when we finally got the belt, Eric had it for probably six, seven weeks, and finally dropped it to you know mr usa but yeah i'm glad i got to tell all this because i've been wanting.
3: well thank you so much for doing it on my show brother first of all thank yeah. you for that because this this like i said when i said it was a very special bonus episode i'm actually this is going outside of the normal drop day I'm, I'm i'm literally this is a very special bonus episode and once you brought it up i couldn't get it out of my brain here's
2: another funny thing y'all would pop for too all the uh, Riviera Camp and all the other, the James Beards and all, not not James, but the guys that was around that was like in that little circle, they were all shitting on Bruce when we were trying to do this angle with Damien, and he was like cutting these promos, like putting over Paul Lee as the real nature boy and going to NWA history, and they were like, you know, it was all a swerve to bring Cahagas in, you know, and uh... <laughs> They they were messaging Bruce and Bruce was sending me text messages said look at these mo- they're not they're realizing this is a work you know so it's like
3: damn man you know work themselves into a shoot right is that the deal yeah <laughs> golly this has been epic man I mean honestly but you know.
2: the, but reason but the thing that I, I I I do have a respect for Bruce for is because. I think to try to make everything right with the way the Plunky Kojima stuff went down is why we had it lined up with the national title. However, long after that, that was the next year or whatever, when Plunky was out with the shoulder. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they still, you know, let us have it. So that was, you know, it was bad for Plunky, but good for Eric Andrews, I guess. Right time, right place. Sure. Yeah. You know,
3: yeah it was great angle for me too, by the way. So thank you for that, Carl. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Had a lot of fun with that, but you know, when it comes down to it, you know, this has just been one of those epic stories that, you know, nobody, it's almost like I want to hear Paul Harvey say, and that's the rest of the story, you know?
1: (laughs) Now you know the rest of the story.
3: Because to me, it was always like one of those things, and you know, then I found out, you know, we could actually get Krull to tell it all, then man, I I had to literally take advantage of this situation, so you know, maybe this should be an ongoing thing to where I maybe try to get Krull to spill his guts
2: on stuff. Stuff, but <laughs> well, no, I don't mean I ain't. I mean, it's not, it's nothing to try to bury anybody, it's just you no, know, no, him, no, the, the, the headache of trying to do something good for you know the good of the business. I mean, you know, I know Plunky's a tried and true of uh, Billy Corgan guy, and I'm happy he's there, but in my opinion, him and Alex should be on the top of the heap because they're probably two of the top five to eight guys they have, boom, boom, you boom. know. Yeah, but uh, I would say that 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 little build up in the modern era of the NWA since probably the 2000, that's probably the best build up of any world title match, in my opinion. Not that it because it was ours, but just you know how it came together, how you know Plunky was like that local Philadelphia boy getting a once in a lifetime opportunity at a yeah. legit world title. Yeah. And a legit legend from New Japan Pro Wrestling that was like the double whammy for Punky is like hit the lottery and the Mega Millions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Brian Turner just recently sent me a text. He said, man, you know, CM Punk's going to wrestle Kojima on AEW TV. You got to tell that story soon. I'm like, brother, I don't know if I can make it happen as quick as I need to. But, you know, it's yeah. funny. It's funny. It's timing-wise, it works out, too, because obviously Kojima's still going. Kojima's still absolutely 100% relevant in and in an absolute New Japan legend. And, you know, in my heart, and my mind, Plunky's one of my legends. So, you know, yeah. I I love this. I love this opportunity, guys. I really did. Uh, I just wanted to say real quick. I've, I've said it publicly, but I, I want to say it again
0: that I appreciate how much you, my, you, crawl, Mike, and, and Mark went to bat for me. Because it, I, I knew at the time that you guys had to go to bat for me. I didn't know how much. I didn't know. <laughs> that you went through as much stress as you, you did. Um, I am glad to know that my suspicions were right with who had the issue with it, um, because I, I've been wondering that about if, if Bruce was involved in that at all, all these years.
2: I mean, but, if he was or wasn't, I don't really know, but I think Bruce was like Reno. He really did. He was just happy-go-lucky when it was time to show up on camera zone. He's there to play the role. You know, so I don't think he probably even ever really gave a shit. You know, he just, like, work it out, guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The weird
3: part about it, too, like Plunky said earlier, there were Facebook posts from Damien that seemed that he was very upset about things. And, again, whether he was working himself into it or he was actually shoot upset, who knows, but, you know, that just added an extra layer to it that – ultimately fed the story even more you know and i don't want to keep bringing that up but i i I think it has to be said again that you know that definitely added an extra layer of like okay is this guy really politicking like doing it this way or you know
2: but i don't know i mean from what he told me it seemed like he was pretty sincere and didn't want to rain on punky's night or anything but i mean i don't know Right, wrestlers, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because he had a sour taste in his mouth with him from the first night they actually ran a show. You know, he's supposed to be the NWA world champion, and they pulled a swerve on him. <laughs> Supposedly that was a shoot, too, like the last minute. You know, you show up for, for weeks, you show up thinking you're going to be the NWA world champion, and they're like, oh, we, we got Bruce on the phone. Hey, uh, we're going this way. Haggis is getting it, you know? so." <laughs> man wow
3: well guys man well kroll first of all i thank you for coming back on the show and thank you for being available as quickly as i needed you it just worked out that this day was available and i said i got to take advantage of it it also worked into your schedule very busy schedule jeremiah so plunky Love you, brother. Crawl. love you. Thank you all so much for doing this for my show. Thank you all for getting this off your chest and being able to hear the full story of things. Thank you so much for both of you, what you mean to me personally. And, you know, not just to this show, but what you mean to me personally as far as just people in my life. So, you know, I just want to say thank you all so much for for coming on the show and doing this.
0: Oh,
3: man. Thanks for having us, Jimmy. And again, Crawl. thanks for fighting for me, man.
2: I always will. Love you. Yeah. You, too,
3: man. you guys are great. And so, for <laughs> Kroll, the Death Stalker and the badass booker that he is, and the best right hand in the business, Mr. Jeremiah Plunkett, this is Jimmy Street. And this has been Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling.
0: I didn't
3: have to do it. To talk. <laughs> no. Yeah, you did get a Tony Falk in there. I love Tony, man. We'll be right back to wrap things up after these messages.
0: It's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. This is the big picture. Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Mike Jablonski's Pissed Off YouTube channel. The fuck's Watch in this park. He's going to tell you all about it. He doesn't care what you think. You're gonna hear all about it by jump lunch It's a by jump lunch It's a by jump
3: lunch Okay, wow. That was epic. We could have kept going on about more stuff that led into other stuff. But man, I feel like we got so much of a just great story right there, guys. And we're, you know, I just appreciate Kroll so much for coming on and telling that story. For sure, appreciate my buddy Jeremiah Plunkett for coming on. Just thank him for sharing his point of view in that story, you know, learning some stuff about things he didn't even know. So, you know, thankfully those guys are sharing with that. Y'all, if you like these types of things, you know, these kind of focus on what one major story, you know, and doing it as a bonus episode. You guys let me know if y'all enjoy these types of things. You know, I would love to do more of these, but you know, got to have the listeners liking it to make sure that we can do them. You know, I know there's plenty of stories out there that, you know, guys can tell one long story and we can do it as a bonus episode. If the listens are there and the downloads are there, then I'm all for it and we'll keep doing it. You know, maybe we'll call it street exclusives or Jimmy's I don't know. You guys tell me what you think we should call it. That'll be y'all's homework, is tell me what we should call these episodes, because I would love to keep doing them. You know, the Plastic chic has given me his blessing to do these by myself. That's important to me because Jared's such an important part of the show, and I really honestly couldn't do it without him, but you know, he's a busy man. He owns his own business. So sometimes lining up schedules to get a recording done is tough. So, you know, if I'm taking these on as these bonus special episodes, especially since I can do it and have the time, you know, like I said, if y'all want to hear more of these, let me know. Would love to keep doing them. There's more stories to be told, you know, and hopefully we can turn this into a thing that we keep doing and carries on and and we'll just see how it goes but today we heard an incredible story and i hope y'all enjoyed it as much as i did and we thank you all so much again we are give me back my pro wrestling on all the social media platforms facebook instagram youtube and twitter at GMBMPW. Another thing, guys, as I say all the time, go on the apps that you listen to us on and rate and review. If you listen on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed, follow us, like us, post something, say something about the show. You know, I just can't thank y'all enough for all that you've done so far with us. We're really blessed to have the awesome listeners that we do. We're also very blessed to have the amazing guests come on and share their stories. So we do have some great things coming up down the line. I don't have a specific guest just yet for our next episode but that'll be dropping soon that's why it's so important to be on our socials because you'll see all of the upcoming shows as they are announced again y'all are awesome thank you so much once again for Kroll, for nwa star and best right hand in the business jeremiah plunkett i'm jimmy street and this has been give me back my pro wrestling
1: with a tear in my eye this is the greatest moment in my life.
4: We'll see you later.
3: This has been a James Rock Street production.